0: Into play, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 923 FM, the voice of Harlem. Hola, buenos dias,
1: and welcome to the show, everyone. No one who speaks fluent Spanish is listening to
0: (laughs) you. No, 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 guys. Well, anyway, I'm just brushing up on my uh, Spanish, I've been doing that that all morning. What was that? Brushing up on my (laughs) anyway. Anyway, we're excited to be back. Welcome, guys, to Let Your Voice Be Heard Mm. right here on Let Your Voice. No, WHCR, 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. The
1: Voice of Harlem, Selena. Yes. You got that? I,
0: I got it. You sure? I think so. Good. Go. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, ooh, so modified ooh. Right? Right? Okay, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're a little hype, excited. I hope you guys are excited, too. Happy Sunday. Thanks so much for joining us. Miss
1: Deborah, I missed you.
0: A little bit. Stanley wasn't here last week. I was. I was.
1: I was gonna miss this weekend too, but I knew you would kill me. Yeah, you, you, you would have got for the fired. the African American Museum opening. Are you serious? Yes, Philly. Why didn't you just give that to me? Why the hell would I give it to you when Obama was there? And oh my god! One of the few last, like the few people whose whose actual parent was a slave. I know was she was there, there, there too. The too. Yep. That was like black on a thousand. It was like Tennessee <laughs> and apple juice with fresh Popeyes, nothing but spicy wings, macaroni and cheese.
0: And those biscuits. Yeah, it mm, was everything. Biscuits. It was everything. All right, guys. So I'm Selena Hill on Twitter and Instagram. I miss Selena Hill, MS. Mm-hmm. And shout out to all my Instagram followers who have slowly been increasing if you check out my page. I was
1: showing my boy your page to show him how hashtags work well on Instagram. oh Yes. And he was like, this person's page is ridiculously bad. <laughs> and I not say that,
0: Introduce yourself, Stanley.
1: Yes, guys. I know you missed me. I am the one, the only, the handsomest man within a two-foot radius, which means between me and this board, I am the handsomest. I am also the man who knows the biggest words between who? Between me and my phone when it's turned off and we can't work. You can find me at Twitter at Stan Fritz because my name is Stanley Fritz, and I also Instagram at Stan Fritz. But if you want to go on Snapchat, it's Dark Skin Swindle because I tried to change it to Stan Fritz, but the base God would not let me because he wants me to keep some remnants of ratchetness onto my soul. If you like Hennessy, Whiskey, Ratchet music and reading books, I am the man for you. If you like nothing but trash, boring stuff, Selena Hill will be your friend.
0: <laughs> anyway, anyways, and we also, don't mind that gibberish. <laughs> Meredith is also here, our special hey guest everybody. commentator.
2: Introduce yourself. I don't have an Instagram, though. <laughs> it's and okay. I, and, like, I, maybe we'll use one hashtag in my posts.
1: Meredith has, like, 3,000 Twitter followers, does not really? follow me back.
2: It's like thirty six hundred Twitter followers. Wow! Oh, 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 oh sorry, it's she got at the juice. Mayor underscore Barnes B A R N E S. That's my last name, and uh, yeah, it's not as uh, unified as Stanley's brand. <laughs> I don't have a particular brand of booze that <laughs> you know you can be sure to find on my on my Twitter. But that's like the place that I'll that I'll be because Facebook that's private, guys. Yeah, so I'm I not gonna just right. open that up.
0: Yeah, to I don't- anyone. Yeah, not like Stanley who gets blocked on Facebook. You yeah. you open it to everyone, Stanley. Well, apparently. I start
1: race wars, white people get really upset and then they get mad. But we'll talk about that later. What? Well, yeah, I want to
2: hear that whole story cuz we've been guys listeners. We have been asking Stanley all morning to tell this story. So that's <laughs> my bu- that's the build up today is hearing what went down. On Stanley's Facebook page. <laughs> yes, what went down on
0: Stanley's Facebook in the DM section?
2: And no, uh, no it would. This was this public. Public. Yeah.
1: And as we all know, because Professor Harden has told me multiple times, I am the king of white people slander, and she has told me you cannot <laughs> give white people slander on live radio. And I was not bad at all. I was pretty even. Okay, killed.
2: with the teasing, we're gonna get there. All right, you know. What? You, so you're gonna tell us a
0: story later. Yeah. Okay, great. So we have a great show. Lined up today, we're actually going to start by talking about America's race divide in wake of the two shootings um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in Tulsa, Oklahoma, of black men who, you know, one was definitely Terrence um, Crutcher was definitely unarmed. And they're saying that Keith Scott Lamont mate had a gun police are saying that he had a gun in Oklahoma but his family says that he had a book so we're going to talk about this we know that you know demonstrations have been taking place across the country some have even gotten uh, violent and we're going to talk about why and not just that but we're going to talk about why it seems that there's such a huge gap between the races when it comes to issues like this i mean you have some police officers and some you know conservative leaning republicans saying like you know well they shouldn't have had a gun this is what they deserve speaking about the victims and then you have logical people aka liberals saying things like (laughs) Well, well
1: i wouldn't say liberals
0: well I don't know how to classify them, but, you know, logical, compassionate people that understand race relations in our country saying things like, you know, this needs to stop. This is a continual pattern of killing black and brown people at disproportionate rates. So we're going to have a a very good discussion about that after the break. And then later on, we're going to talk about the rise of Islamophobia, a.k.a. this is like the brown and black show. Okay, we're going to start off. by talking about Black Lives Matter and then we're going to talk about why brown lives matter every
1: week, except for Lisa (laughs) Manhattan.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> not I wish it was every week. It's not every week. So then yes, and we have a very special guest who will be calling in to talk about the rise of Islamophobia according to a new report that says that it uh Islamophobic attacks on Muslim Americans has actually peaked since that aftermath of 9/11. In 2015. And if you think about it, it's no coincidence that Donald Trump launched his campaign in 2015 and he has been extremely xenophobic and Islamophobic. And now we see a rise in attacks against Muslim people. So we're going to talk about the correlation there. And we have a very special guest who will be calling in later in the show it's that time of the month for the Project. dreamer and D- dreamer and Dewar series <laughs> but every time i say it's that time of the month, stanley with his second grade sense of humor she
1: gets flustered every time <laughs> it's been three years Celia. get over it
0: anyway so uh, we have a very special dreamer and Doer who will be coming in studio to talk about the work that she is doing uh in her life in her career as and also in the community so we have a great show lined up but i will say Instead of letting your voices be heard on our phone lines, because, unfortunately, they're down this oh, week.
1: Oh, yeah. But we did Verizon bill this week, right? I don't, <laughs> I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But they, I think expensive. they're going to be back. I think <laughs> the phone lines are going to be back by Wednesday, okay. FYI. Thank you, Professor Arden. But, yeah. So you can still let your voice be heard on our Twitter account. Word. Tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. We have Asinet Scott Brown. Here, who is our intern? Mm-hmm. She had like, you know, I want to get all those names right, yeah. but she's here. Um, she's our intern. She'll be checking those tweets and retweeting them, and also we'll try to share some online. Shout out to Asnet
1: with the heavy Brooklyn accent. I know you was from Brooklyn as soon as you walked in here. I heard it <laughs> I in your voice. Are
0: you from Brooklyn? She's not from, You're not from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh no!
1: Oh, get, get the hell out of my studio right now! All right.
0: <laughs> she's from the Bronx, Ew, uptown the Bronx? baby. Yeah, you see, you see how Brooklynites are? They're just like, oh, the yeah. Bronx. Speaking Ew. of
2: xenocentrism, <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> really. Brooklyn. Bronx. What part of the Bronx are you from?
0: Uptown. Uptown. Uh, all, 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 her, you know how Mike is not from Pelham all her right, Stanley?
1: Mm-hmm. What? How Mike is not even next to her. No, because so, you're talking she, to her. So no one else can I hear her. her. Is from Pelham Park in the Bronx. Wait. Pelham Parkway. Oh oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So what is? What are you doing in front from Bronx? I'm kidding. There's nothing. There's nothing put in the Bronx. All right, guys. Let's <laughs> he <laughs> was
0: doing all that just to make Rude. that joke. Okay. So, right. all right. So that's definitely tweet us there. You can also hit us up on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Let Your Voice Be Heard, and you can hit us up on our Instagram at Be Heard underscore Radio.
1: Okay. Listen, my guy. We got to go on a break. Um. Awesome. That's the new slang right my guy? Yeah. D- yeah she? I, okay, okay,
0: I think that's for men to men. My
1: guy, chill. I'm chill, do my not guy. call
0: me your guy. <laughs> my gal,
1: my gal. <laughs> Thank chill, you. My I like guy, that. Right?
0: I would prefer you saying my gal or girl, whatever. Okay, my guy. All right, we're breaking. <laughs> right. And we are
1: back. Selena going to jump right into my intro. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, The (laughs) Voice of Harlem. If you are wondering why we are starting with a song that is so emotionally taxing and troubling, I would like to give you an update. This week in America, we have seen the murders of two more unarmed people of color. One in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where an officer got so scared of the magic Negro that she had to shoot him, even though he clearly had his hands in the air and was trying to go to his car where he would not be any danger to her and even though he was cooperating and of course the man in the helicopter who was recording the entire thing and had saw this had said the guy was a bad guy do you know why because somehow his negro magical juices scared all the white people and we all know when you are a police officer with a gun and a badge and a taser and are trained to serve and protect the one group you cannot serve and protect are people of color especially if they happen to be black men and big black men because big black men will sneak into your house and rape your daughter and your white because that's what big black men do oh and play football but don't kneel down just play football so moving on guys after that happened we're all so upset because it's very obvious that she killed this man for no reason and then she said she was scared to death but people said he wasn't a threat the next day the cop said oh we found pcp in his car which made me think about day chapels skate when you shoot a black guy and you go oh my god i shot that black guy in his house sprinkle some crack on his nose and let's get out of here and I said wow that's ridiculous and just as I felt that emotion bubbling up in my stomach coming through my chest and out of my mouth to scream no justice no peace of course the police shot someone else in North Carolina and this time this man had a disability he clearly had a brain issue that made him unable to respond and react as quickly as you would need the cop said that he had a gun the family and witnesses said he had a book the cop said he posed a threat and that he was coming towards a cop and that he had the gun raised the Cops said that they didn't know if they were going to live. So of course the police said we are not going to release the video. And when the media said, Well wait a minute, this sounds weird. Didn't you say you were gonna be transparent? The police chief, a black man, said, We said transparent, not all the way transparent, because apparently transparency isn't a hundred percent. Hey, I guess I'm mixed up on some things. After being forced to release a video because his wife released a video showing her portion of things, the police released a video where you can see that this man did not raise his hands, did not point to a gun, may have had something in his hands, but it is not clear that it is a gun. And while this was happening, the Charlotte PD was tweeting that the chief said that there is no clear evidence that shows he has a gun. But wait, no. You can't incriminate yourself because you can't be held accountable. So what did they do? They deleted those tweets. And while all of this was happening, I was on Facebook and Twitter cursing and being so angry about the lack of justice for people of color. And people in North Carolina were marching, and they were pissed off, and they were screaming of the top of their lungs. And the police officer who was there watching those marches shot a protester in the head with a rubber bullet, even though the police are saying it was someone else. And that protester is dead. And then violence ensued because when you keep on pushing and prodding, and poking and punching and shooting and macing and tear gassing. Eventually, a group of peaceful protesters become an angry group of black and brown and white and pink people. And you got what you expected and probably what you deserved in North Carolina. And despite all this evidence, despite all the video documentation, the social media, the tears, the curse words, the video footage, somehow there is still a group of Donald Trump-loving ignorant, moderate, centrist white people who think that there is no race problem and that there is no specific targeting of black people unless you're talking about black-on-black crime, even though white-on-white crime is about 82% and climbing every single year. And even though we know we have the highest rates of crime where poverty is the highest, and even though we know that crime usually happens where there's a large group of people and whichever is the majority group of people in that area will be the highest crime distributed on. Despite all of these things, we still seem to have this big racial divide and it keeps on getting bigger because more white people feel like they are falling behind. more white people feel like they are being ignored. more white people feel like black people are taking over and they don't like that and those Mexicans and those Muslims and those gays and those stupid women who want to get their money up and not stay in the kitchen and cook dinner and shut the hell up. So now we are we have our lines, battles are drawn, we're shouting, we're shouting, we're shouting, but I'm tired of shouting, my mm-hmm. voice hurts, my feet hurt. My brain is tired. I don't want to fight. So we are going to have a conversation and we are going to figure it out. And if we don't figure it out, we're going to try again and understand where this racial divide comes from. And that is where we start this conversation, the racial divide. And how do we start that conversation? By talking about our interpretations of the recent shootings, starting with Selena.
0: Yeah. So um, I also don't want to forget that 13 year old little boy who was also shot by police. Apparently, a police report said that um, he, you know, police officer cornered him mm-hmm. and he pulled out a BB gun, a yeah. fake gun, and that's why police officers shot him. But which all is the bullets ridiculous. were falling in his back. Right. So it's, it's, it, so I don't want to forget him. Um, I think that the police, the recent police shootings are just, you know, emotionally taxing. I think that Stanley had used that word earlier because it's just. It's frustrating, and it gets me very, very upset and frustrated in the fact that this continues to happen. And obviously, you know, we're on the grounds, we're marching, we're fighting for police reform, we're talking about these issues, we're tweeting about it every single day, but it just shows that anybody could be a victim. And I want to mention that the fact that both black men, Terrence Crutcher and um, Keith Lamont Scott, had some type of disability, Mm -hmm. whether it was hearing or TBI um, or or vision lost. Um, I I think that it shows that even if you as a black man, if you cannot comply 100 percent to a police officer's commands, you are going to be shot. And it reminded me of the people in my family, particularly my father, who suffers from bipolar and schizophrenia, like he's not in his right mind. Oftentimes, and I'm always petrified for him because if he sees like a police officer, a police officer gives him a command and he doesn't react um, or, or doesn't comply, he's going to die. And then I kept thinking about the wife of Keith Lamont Scott, who watched her husband die and be shot. And I was like, I can see that being me. I can see myself telling cops, please, he's un, like, tell, if it was my father, he's unarmed. He's you know, he's not a threat. He's a petite man. He cannot do anything. He just has a really loud voice and he'll probably scream. But I could see myself saying, like, please don't shoot. Even if he's walking towards you in his arms, or, you know, by his side, don't shoot. And I was like, I can I can feel that woman's pain. And I think that we all can. And it also reminded me of, you know, slavery too, like how people would watch their family members just lynched right there and you feel so helpless so yeah it's emotionally taxing to say the least
2: yeah and i think what's scary is that it's not even about compliance like we've seen over and over and over again that actually there is no magical formula to like how you can comply enough or whatever to avoid we've seen so many different combinations of compliance non-compliance Having contraband, having weapons, not having contraband, not having weapons. I mean, it's it's just not there is no other explanation than the fact that there is uh, racial bias and racial, you know, uh, kind of like animus towards people of color, largely by white people. And this is not even just a thing that we're extrapolating from the fact that we see all the time these different. Men of color being gunned down, but actually in scientific studies, like research-based, data-driven stuff, entire police (laughs) departments, Las Vegas is a great example, completely reformed by addressing this and, and not saying anymore, oh, well, there's some other explanation.
1: So I want to jump in with some of that scientific, statistical, mathematical facts. So thank you very much for that, Meredith. An analysis of the available FBI data by Vox's Dara Lynn shows that U.S. police kill black people at disproportionate rates. They account for 31% of police killing victims in 2012, even though they made up just 12% of the U.S. population. Now, although this data is incomplete, it is based on voluntary reports because the police don't keep track of the people that they kill. That's not a requirement for them. Yes, that's a very that's crazy. Yes. That's crazy. So... No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No,
2: I mean that's that's crazy. I didn't know that the people had to, di- police departments did not have to keep track of who dies yeah. on their watch. That's You're horrifying. You right. <laughs> were—it's
1: Yeah, it, it it actually very is because it shows some very blurry lines around accountability, which, well, we've always known that, or at least we've always felt that in the black community. So now, let's be clear. Police kill more white people, but that's because there are more white people in the U.S. than there are black people in the U.S., but they kill African Americans at a higher clip. So if there are 100 black people in America a year, and there are 1,000 white people, they kill... 200 white people but 60 black people right so like it's just at a higher rate so it happens at a higher rate as per population so the numbers do bear out that this is a problem and it's a problem that we have to address. So now we've had a lot of different movements popping up to address these issues. We had the Black Lives Matter movement, which is now starting to become political, or at least the section of it called the Movement for Black Lives, which is going to the Capitol to push for criminal justice reform. And you have all these other social justice groups. My organization has we've actually you know taken up a, a racial justice um um dog in the fight as well through policy. A lot of people are fighting to make these changes happen, and we are seeing some traction but not necessarily enough. And there's been a lot of pushback from, I'll call it, the All Lives Matter groups. Mm -hmm. And before we even get to just the regular people who comment on your Facebook page and who you work with and who you talk to and who tell you they don't see color, let's just talk about the elected officials who we have seen to be having some problems connecting with. So what I'd like to know from you guys is, you know, a lot of people feel that the things that we're asking for, and I say we, as in the Black Lives Matter movement, are not extreme. So just talking about criminal justice reform and requiring that police officers have some kind of racial sensitivity training, is that is that something that's out of the question, something that should not be required, or something that is unreasonable to ask for police officers across the state?
0: Absolutely not. I mean, that's completely reasonable, especially when we think about how here in New York City, a lot of the police officers are recruited from parts of Long Island that are predominantly all white like in Nassau County and in Suffolk County, and they don't have interactions with black people at all. The only time that they see a black person is when they're watching a 50 Cent video <laughs> or, you, you know what I'm saying, or something like that. So they have these extremely negative perceptions and stereotypical images of black people. Um, you know, that's the only thing that they see and, and the only thing that they consume. So then when they see somebody like Stanley, who's like 5'11 and... Six feet. Some, <laughs> <maybe> six feet <laughs> in your mind. I don't know what your ID says. But whatever <laughs> when they see somebody oh, like looming, Stanley, he's
2: looming. They're gonna call him a bad dude. So and I so I think that and they wouldn't be wrong in this case. Yeah, but Mar- Selena's <laughs> point stands.
1: Marilyn calls me a teddy bear, so you guys are losers. No,
2: but I'm saying you're
0: you're a big man. Yeah. And basically what I'm saying is that some people would find that intimidating if the only time they see black men is on T V with guns in their hands or when they're reading the post and the headline is thugs or something like that.
1: Or a New York Jets game.
0: Right when basically, and yeah. you're seeing people like you're seeing uh, athletes I be very aggressive. Bay. Yes. Oh, you oh. be really really aggressive in that nature as well. So yes, yeah, extremely problematic. And you know, it's it's funny that you bring up. You, racial diversity training because the police officer that shot Keith Lamont Scott was also black.
1: No, he wasn't actually. The video proves it? that he's not. It was not a black man. It was a white man. Really? So Yeah, so here's some very, some things you guys should know about North Carolina. There is some extremely <laughs> funny business happening in North Carolina. They have been playing around with, with information. There's a portion of the tape that's suddenly silent. When reporters asked them if they edited the tape, the chief would not respond. They said that it was a black man that shot him and then the video shows it wasn't a black man that shot him. They said that they found marijuana on him but that was almost that was after the yeah. fact that's after the wife released a video showing this almost like they're trying to cover their tracks because hey maybe they're trying to cover their tracks so it is a very Peculiar situation. I have no trust for the North Carolina PD. I think they should all be fired and banished from the United States of America and go live somewhere where they can get their behinds kicked every day. But hey, that's just my black opinion. So I, I, I don't want to hover on this for too long. I do want to get Meredith's opinion about: Do you think racial sensitivity training is is yeah. unreasonable?
2: No, it's not unreasonable. And actually, uh, a part of this that I find uh, tiresome is that you know, there's all of every single time something like this happens, the details need to get debated again. So it's was it a black man? Was it a white man? Did he have drugs? Did he have a gun? Did like we have to go through this again, like to prove that it was an unjust situation when actually what all we need to do is back up and go back to what we're talking about with the data, which go which is totally well documented. It is it is, you know, data based and peer reviewed and all the different things that that we need and yet, when we get to the end users, when we get to a police department that you know has probably only been triggered to talk about racial diversity training because of some sort of incident, as if this shouldn't just be a fact of life. Uh, it, when you're you know carrying a gun and a badge and have a license to kill, apparently we've learned uh, that this shouldn't be just a totally normal part. Of of your life as somebody as a figure of authority, it goes back to this entire thing of colorblindness and nobody's racist here. But actually, we we know that that we all are. So if you've got a gun and a badge, like here are the things that you're going to have to overcome because you have been put in a position of power and given a lethal weapon.
0: Well, yeah.
1: Well, why should the police feel like they need to be accountable, or they should, so, should do some soul searching if the people who are not police officers and who have who are privy to see these videos and are just regular citizens like us aren't even necessarily on our side on these issues, and I want to read some comments that happened on the post that I wrote. I was telling you guys about it earlier. I so put up excited. a post sharing the criminal history of the officer who sh- who shot Terrence Fletcher in um Oklahoma,
0: Officer Betty Shelby. Yes,
1: and she has um drug. She has so I'm gonna say it the way they would say it for a black person. She has. Um, extensive drug history she has multiple harassment and domestic disputes issues and she had two restraining orders put on her one for stalking and harassing someone and then the other for destroying property so she has an extensive criminal record and it's clearly very problematic before this happened oh and by the way she's had another issue where she was assaulting a person while on the job she is someone who's emotionally unstable and probably shouldn't have been working there anyway and she's a danger and probably a thug but obviously a horrible human being so I said something along those lines, and the reason I said it, that...
2: But it wasn't that incendiary, no, and I, was, I actually, when I read that post before it had uh, you know, erupted in the way that we're about to hear about, it, I want to compliment you because I thought that was such an affecting way yeah. to, to contextualize that, to put that information the way that it would be... for a
1: person of
0: color yeah no yeah i I 100 percent agree with that
1: no so before we jump into a conversation guys we do have to go on a quick break when we come back i'm going to get to those comments and we're going to talk about now what's happening why is this divide happening because as you'll see in some of these posts there is very clearly a divide and it isn't just one person it's one section of the country or maybe more
2: (laughs) DJ College. Uh,
0: pat them down, count the money, let them see the work.
1: Yeah, that's the definition of a major key alert. Nothing, nothing gotta die. Won't be the first. Won't be the last. we see cash. real story don't match what you rapping about. Keep the movies in. Stop acting out. We are back on. Let your voice be heard on ninety point three FM WHCR, the Voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, we are talking about the huge racial divide between people of color and white people in America. African Americans, Latino Americans, Muslim Americans, pretty much every single black and brown person who knows how to read and does not season their chicken with mayonnaise and depression understands (laughs) that we have a serious race problem in America. They also understand that the police are extremely... And unfortunately, targeting people of color and overreacting and shooting them and then not being held accountable. But for some reason, there's a giant portion of America that does not seem to understand or does not actually agree that this is a problem. And we want to talk about that racial divide. And to have that conversation, Meredith, I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit. So you and I have had extensive conversations about race and about religion. And what you've always been able to help me do is just be a little bit, be a little empathetic about where these people are coming from not necessarily about race but religion because like where they come from this is their experience this is their point of view do you think you can give us a little insight on like maybe what a regular texan person who doesn't have that much experience with people of color how they're seeing this and how they're feeling about this entire black lives matter movement
2: yeah, I mean, I think that actually, what you know, it actually, it's really interesting that you turned to me and put me on the spot because <laughs> when you were talking, and you said uh, police are targeting people, people of color, I immediately knew that uh, a lot of people in my family or in my like circle of, you know, people I know would have said, oh, well, they're not targeting them; these are, you know, lawful traffic stops or lawful stops of whatever type. And so there's a there's a need uh, among white people to feel like I am not racist. So, of course, the problem here is that it's a total derailment of the actual conversation, which is that structurally in this country for literally our entire history and and persisting into today, there have been barriers to entry for people of color people who natively lived in this country who we killed in droves in order to um, build San Francisco, for instance. Uh, so, so there's this um, roadblock. There's, you get to talking about something like the data-driven, research-based, implicit racial bias that we were talking about earlier. When you talk about that with a white person, it's like they need to stop you and say, but I'm not, I'm good, Right. <laughs> there was yeah. a, a great post someone had had reposted from years ago that uh, the headline was, I don't know what to do with good white people. Mm. I don't know what to do. This was on Jezebel a few years ago. So Google it. Piece. You know, like the idea that there are people who are, are white and have kind of like opened their eyes and seen like, wow, I just seem to have a lot easier of a time than a lot of other people. I wonder why that is. And are thinking about this critically. Nevertheless, When you bring up systemic racism or racism that is embedded in our culture and embedded in even our politics, even our laws, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, drug, drug laws are what's immediately springing to mind. Uh, You know, you there's this sense of like, we need to have an entire conversation about how I'm not a problem here before we get to talking about the problem. Yeah. And that's like that's such an ego move to say, like. A total derailment, per- perhaps, like, in the case of your Facebook post, which I want to get back to.
1: Yeah. So, just to actually to jump back to that. So, the Facebook post I put up there, I, t- I gave you guys a context. And one of the first people that commented was a friend of mine. I won't put his name out there because I'm not sure if he wants his name out there. It's on um, Facebook, though. Yeah, but, you know, you if, could just go if we're it. friends, you can see that. But he's a good guy. Like I know him from college. We have very different opinions about um, policing in America and police relations with African Americans In the Oklahoma situation. He's like a hundred percent on the side of black lives matter. He thinks that it was injustice and a woman should be put to jail. He had a problem with me calling her a thug and an animal and all these other things in which I responded. This is the way they talk about us when we are in these situations, totally. they criminalize us right away. And then, you know, from that point, He said, well, you know, all you're doing is dividing and you're separating us. And I'm paraphrasing what he said, obviously. And some other people jumped in as well to give him information to back up the claims. He would not accept it, even though they provided links. Now, this is a guy I know is a very smart guy, compassionate guy. But when it comes to issues of race, he seems to have a blind spot on things. Mm. And if you go to the post, we're friends. You can see it. You guys can't see it if you're not friends (laughs) with me. You know, he's like, I'm with Black Lives Matter on this one. But on other ones, they're 100% wrong. Mike Brown was a thug. Eric Garner was scum. And then you see, like, and so, like, you see how the energy changes in the room. And this is someone, and, like, it hurts. Every time he responds to a post, I get anxiety. And I try to have a conversation with him because, like, I like like the guy. He's a good guy. Like, you know, he's a friend. And I I feel like shutting people off, like, who don't necessarily see it doesn't help anybody it just allows us to be shut off in our own spaces and yeah you might look cool for telling someone off and blocking them but that doesn't accomplish anything and he and i will go back and forth on the post and he and i will go back and forth like an inbox and we'll you know try to find some common ground but he's really ingrained in the feeling that there's an over-exaggeration and there's nothing but race baiting and like problems being started by people like i and the black lives matter movement that exists and he's not by himself there are a lot of people like that this is there are at least 11 million people who are voting for trump who believe that not saying he's voting for trump but like there are people who believe that how the hell did this happen
0: um I I think that, you know, it's in 2016, it's hard for someone like me to understand because I'm extremely progressive. My network and circle of friends are, and I live in New York City, and I also work—I've always worked for a minority-owned company, so I don't have, like, those— um, experiences pretty often most of the companies I work for so it's hard but then again I think back to you know how people are being educated and the propaganda and the media that they consume like I remember there was um, an article that just came out in the Daily Beast that actually talks about how there's uh private schools in the South of Christian schools that still discriminate against um, people of color and they use religious freedom to try to do that so basically within these schools they're glossing over slavery. They're not really talking about the emphasis that slavery had on our country. They barely talk about, you know, they'll probably mention Martin Luther King, but not Malcolm X, and they, right. they don't go in depth. So then you have these children being brought up, not, you know, not really seeing color and not understanding the racial dynamics in the historical context of this country and the fact that this country was uh, born and in, 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 uh, on uh, built. white supremacy.
2: And built, so, right. on the, built by people who were... Like, Slave owners. yeah, and um, Or so slaves. Right, actual slaves. slaves. That right. whole thing when Michelle Obama or uh, the speech about, uh, you know, this house that, that slaves built or whatever. The, I thought Milana said that. Milana Trump. Ma- n- well, <laughs> that's a matter of debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will just say to the white people out there listening as a fellow white person, I know it's super uncomfortable, but it's just not about you. So, like, your discomfort with the idea that racism exists in this country is not... Relevant, Like you just have to skip the speed bump of the half hour or 15 Facebook comments that we have to go through to establish that like you personally are not a slave owner. Like, got it. <laughs> yeah, got it. It's boring. We're done. That's canceled. We're gonna move on to like an actual issue because it's just inescapable that this is real. But so should we? One, one
1: second, I'm sorry, because I, Meredith, you're not on with you 110 percent, five thousand percent, actually. But when you say things like that, unfortunately, and probably even to the people who are listening, you're preaching to the choir. How do we break through?
2: I am not preaching. To, I mean, in in so I have a very conservative um selena was saying earlier like your network is very and certainly my professional network leans very left but i have a lot of experience talking to people that lean in another direction i think that to stanley's point though because i kind of just did that thing that i was like don't do it don't make it about you and your own personal things because stanley is right stanley is totally right when you're speaking, say, to, like, the, the Trump supporters, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, or or people who are, are uh, racism deniers, <laughs> uh, like, how do you talk to them about that? I think it actually is acknowledging the situation, acknowledging, listen, I know you feel right now attacked, and that's not what's happening. Like, you, I know you're not racist. Because that conversation... I mean, and even maybe they are, but like, let's just get yeah, around it. Let's just get around it and like get to the real issue. I actually think it is. I think, I think white people that do that just want to be <laughs> white people. Come on. Like, they just want to <laughs> be acknowledged. It just sounds so stupid to even like say we're talking about. Like, if we're talking about going back to the police brutality um, and, and these shootings, you know, we have to do this entire thing where we parse, like, every detail of what were they holding and what were they, you know, were they running and were they standing, like, all of that. no, like, let's just address the fact, raw data, numbers, macro level, what's going on here? There's a lot of there seems to be a lot of shooting of people of color by police.
1: Selena wants to say something, but before I do want to give you some more like facts, black teens are 21 times more likely to be shot than any other group. It's not an opinion. It's not an
0: opinion. Yeah, no. I, when, so when Meredith was saying like how to have these conversations with white people who are probably like implicitly racist or say racist things, but they happen to be your friends, I've done that. And I have a friend who I strongly do think has racial bias. And when he says racist things, I've said to him, like, no, I know you're not a racist. This right. is how I spoke to him. Yeah. Like, I know you're not a racist, but this is why this is offensive. And eventually, after, you know, I, I might have been the first Black woman that he ever could call friend after our friendship and relationship grew his mind started to open up a little more Hmm. but I mean it took months and years of you know these type of conversations and this this type of interaction and I think that you know even in Charlotte which is you know noted for being so diverse and and like one of the most progressive cities in the south even though it's integrated racially people still live very segregated lives and I think that that also hurts um, the Building of racial relations here in our country. Yeah,
1: and just one of the things I want to point out: Charlotte is one of the richest cities in the U.S., but the Black and Brown communities, which is usually West Charlotte, North Charlotte, Charlotte, they are the poorest hmm. in in the in the state, the entire state, and. Almost all of the complaints of police brutality and over-policing happen in those neighborhoods where it's a common norm for a police officer to grab you, slam you against a car, search you, then push you aside because that's just what you can do. So let's be very clear that the racial uprising that's happening there right now or the protesting or the rioting or whatever Fox News is going to call it by Monday, Mm -hmm. it didn't just pop up because of this once incident because a football player who was shot 10 times by police officers after he got into a car accident and was asking for help, guess what? That officer did not get convicted either. So- there's a lot of anger in there already.
0: Yeah, Stanley's talking about Jonathan Farrell. and basically in that case it was a hung jury and they decided not to retry him after he got into like that that car ex- that car incident and yeah. then the same thing happened in Oklahoma when um um, Terrence got into a car incident and you know these people need help but instead they get shot by police yeah
1: so guys um, we had to start wrapping up the conversation there's one thing that I want to talk about and it's kind of selfish on my Selena's part but I, I really want to get into this and being a person of color and if you're a p- person of color right now if you're from the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community if you're a woman you understand this conversation that I'm going to bring up now and I want to get your responses because it's something that I struggle with every single day but that feeling like that heavy weight in your heart when you're trying to talk to someone that doesn't understand, I know Meredith, I know you get this too, like obviously from a different perspective, but you get it. And that's that struggle and that pain. How does it feel when you're trying to talk to someone and you're giving them all the facts and you're being as reasonable as possible and you're trying to be as passionate, as empathetic as possible and they're still not getting it. And they are still, they're still saying hurtful things. If you're on Facebook live, leave a comment. We'll read it. Selena, give us your response.
0: Um, I don't really have the emotional energy to deal with people like that. And I choose not to like, The thing is, the white folks that I know and love and call friends think just like me. And I know that it's it's bad because i don't you know it's not like i can really reach people like conservatives or racist white people but that's just i don't know like i don't i don't really have the energy i feel like we need to make so much progress on the ground we need to be you know signing petitions and getting our politicians to um actually do things that will help our communities i'd rather spend an hour doing something like that than having a facebook argument that's not my thing yeah Yeah.
2: And I, I agree with you about Facebook but the, and social media in general, but the, the truth of the matter is, uh, to bring it back to demographics in this country, like that is who we got to talk to. I don't it's know how to the, reach them. It, well, I think I think it's very interesting that you bring up legislation because I I totally agree that and this brings it back even to like issues of religion in my in my life. Um, I come from a very religious background and and have moved away from that as I've gotten older and but I have respect for it and I understand where people are coming from when they're talking about that. But we do not legislate in this country based on what the Bible says. That's oh, we uh, don't. That's not ostensibly what we're doing here I think that that's applicable in situations of race as well if you actually stopped engaging with people who wanted to have a conversation about whether or not they personally were racist that's totally derailing everything you're trying to do and instead said alright but let's just like continue looking like if you actually two white people stopped bringing up uh, you know like uh, the, the issue of overtly of race and said instead like look at our data set this is crazy i'm not a statistician i know i sound like i am right mm-hmm. now because i've brought up data so was, many times it was nine but like yeah that's what i think um <laughs> but i think if if you removed it, or if there was a tendency towards removing the barrier where people want to have this whole personal moment of like i'm not racist and said instead like let's legislate on the basis of what is actually factually happening and and it just so happens to also address a racial bias, mm-hmm. maybe that's the way. Maybe it is just, rem- I don't know. I, and I think that people should have to confront that. People, sh- White people should have to confront that. But if we're talking about just making change.
1: Thank you. So, so guys, we do have to wrap up the conversation. I'm going to answer my question, but actually, did you have a comment you want to read, Selena?
0: Oh, yes, we so, did get a comment. So Selena's going to read a comment,
1: and then I'm going to wrap up the conversation because we do have to wrap things up. So go ahead, Selena.
0: Shout out to Darren Mack, who says, Yes, the good white people are those with boots on the ground like John Brown. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Darren.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, so thank you very much, Darren. And Tiamari also commented on my Facebook Live post. She said, these are the people we need to be having conversations with. Tiamari, thank you for listening. Dad, don't worry. I will be careful, but I'm not going to stop calling out white people, even though you said to just smile. So I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. So um, <laughs> just to wrap up this conversation. Anyway. <laughs> it doesn't work anyway. Listen, I've had a gun put to my back by a police officer while heading to a job interview. I've had police arrest me when I came upstairs in the train station for no particular reason. I've had a cop call me the N-word and scream at me and call me an animal. I have cop friends who tell me they don't like liberals because we don't let them knock people over the head in Brownsville, the neighborhood that I grew up in, because I was just a regular kid with the do-rag and a Lakers jersey in Brownsville, growing up in Tilden houses and Riverdale Towers in East New York. But apparently that made me a problem. It is emotionally taxing to have conversations with people who don't see things the way you do. The oppressed should not have to explain oppression to the oppressor. This is not the world. The, in a perfect world, the oppressed would not have to explain oppression to the oppressor. A woman would not have to explain male privilege to a man. A, a person who's gay or lesbian or transgender or queer would not have to explain homophobia to a homophobe or to a Republican because they all seem to be homophobic. Mm-hmm. I'm just being shameful. An African American person would not have to explain to a police officer or it seems like the United States of Mother in America why there is a serious race problem here, but there is there is. You just cannot walk away from that. And as uncomfortable as it seems, if you have enough energy in your heart and you got a couple of stats, be empathetic, be open, and have those conversations. Echo chambers don't save anyone's lives. You know what will happen if we shut off all the people who challenge us and who say things that hurt us and who don't necessarily get it? We will live in our own universes where it's just people like Meredith and Jackie and Alyssa and Selena and all my cool white friends who like drinking whiskey and talking about politics and things will be all good. And then one day I'll go to Staten island or one day i'll go to alabama or mississippi or the elections will happen and donald trump will win or i'll see some racism and i'll be so shocked i will not know how to respond what i believe in what i truly believe in is that people even though they can be grossly ridiculously horrible white people even though sometimes they smell funny when it rains and they like to put mayonnaise on a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense i'm just joking Am I? I hope so. I'm joking, but anyways, (laughs) even though like we have these issues, at the end of the day, we really are one people, and if we can finally just stop yelling at each other and maybe open up and listen and be empathetic and love and understand, we will be in a better situation. And if maybe you're conflicted right now because you feel like something's get you upset, but you don't think there's a serious problem, maybe. Take a step back from your emotions and just ask yourself, why is Stanley always putting up these posts? Why is Meredith always calling out her, her uncle from Houston? <laughs> why is Selena always arguing with people from her own church? Um, or why is Jason from Donald Block having this conversation? We're not just making this noise for no reason. We're not. But if you're willing to listen, we'll be willing to talk and hopefully we can build together. So, with that, guys, we do have to go on a quick break. So, when we come back, it'll be the news roundup or what's left of it because I do have some news stories that I want to talk about and I'm sure Selena does too. Until then, guys, please don't stop believing.